We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for some rapid fire? I am ready for some rapid fire. I thought you might be. Manti Teo documentary is up on Netflix. It is called Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. Have you seen it yet, Vince? I have not seen it, but it is 100% on my things to do list. Once, you know, things kind of start to die down with the beginning of school and everything. But I am really looking forward to watching it. I've seen some comments on Twitter. You know, uh, Robbie Toma, obviously one of Manti's really good friends. He was in He's, it. You know, he 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 basically said he wants to like beat up all the nerds that they interviewed or something like that, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, and so I'm I'm very interested to see what they say because I remember being right in the middle of that whole thing. Oh man, feeling like people were just blowing it so far out of proportion. So I'm interested to see what it looks like as we look back. It is very favorable toward Manti. I watched both episodes last night. I was okay. originally just going to watch the first and each episode is about an hour long. Okay. Um, you know, in the first, it just kind of gets you through it. You know, it sets up rehashes everything okay. from, from Manti, you know, connecting with the person he thought was Lene Kakua on Facebook, right up until okay. early December, 2012, right before the Heisman trophy ceremony. Okay. Um, and there were uh, some familiar media faces mm-hmm. in there, like uh, Dean Hubbard, who, uh, you know, of course, is now the athletic director at Mishawaka High School. There was a, a quick shot of him from a newscast, Jeff Jeffers, the late great, oh, Angelo the DiCarlo. They showed <laughs> them in a sideline shot. And, of course, you know, Jack Swarbrick, all the, uh, you know, all those people. But I think the, the most important thing to me, they had Jack Swarbrick kind of giving – you know, background and what was going on from Notre Dame standpoint, when they knew and, you know, what they were trying to find out after they knew, uh, you know, because they did know before the national championship sure. game, Manti went to him and said, you know, that, that his dead girlfriend could be alive. And at that point it's like, what? <laughs> and so, uh, so there's that. And then there is also this Renaya Tuiasasopo which is the person who perpetrated this whole hoax. And he looks a lot different now. Um, he was a high school quarterback and he has transitioned into a she now at this point. And, you know, so she is on camera giving her side. Manti is on camera <laughs> giving his side, wow. uh, you know, and then, you know, part two is, um, and, and, and basically, 
Renaya cops to everything, you know, and takes full accountability for everything. Now, Good. was there a lot of remorse? I don't know. But I'll just, you know, I'll just leave it at this. Bobby and I are, you know, we're both going to do a full review. So I don't want to go okay. like too in-depth on today's show. We're going to go full review on tomorrow's show. I just kind of wanted to tease It's almost a, a throwback to the previous podcast, buddy. The two guys talking sports movies. That's what this is going to be tomorrow. <laughs> That's true. I'm excited. You guys talking a sports documentary. Yeah, is what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm kind of fired up for that now because I, yeah. I, I was a, I was a, a loyal listener to your podcast at the time. So you're the one loyal. I'm the one. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we'll do that on tomorrow's show. So Bobby and I, um, Bobby and I on tomorrow's show, we're going to go full in depth on this. Oh, I can't wait. You, you've wetted my whistle. I'm ready. So, yep. So we're going to get into that. Okay. Which number will be greater this season? Isaiah Foskey's sacks or Michael Mayer's touchdown catches? You know, again, I, I think that the possibility of Isaiah Foskey just going bonkers uh, in sacks, is de- it, it's definitely there. Now, I do think he's going to get a ton of attention from any offensive line you know that that he faces he had 11 last year right yep and I remember there there was something about Michael Mayer hitting 10 he didn't hit 10 last year uh in in touchdown receptions he got the seven like a, yeah there was a bet going around he didn't even come close to 10 yeah I'm gonna go I mean so Foskey beat him by four last year right yes even though I think all the attention is going to be on both of these guys, yes. I'm still going to take Michael Mayer. That's the direction I'm leaning as well, you know, because it's like none of these things are ever linear, especially like when right. it comes to sacks, you right. know, because all the guys, it's like, well, you know, like Jerry Tillery, you know, had this season and then you expect, you know, these big numbers, the next and, you know, Dalen Hayes and Aquara and all these guys, like you kept expecting this right. big jump based on the production that we saw. I, I do think what's going to help Isaiah Foskey is what's around him, you know, between the Adam Alolas and Riley mm-hmm. Mills and, you know, other guys commanding attention, Jordan Botello in some situations, potentially if he's on the field. So I do think that'll help. And, you know, the other side of this is, you know, we talked about some of the red zone options that Notre Dame is going to have this year between Raritan, Bauman, some of these other guys, Jaden Thomas, I think, because of his size. So that could potentially take away some touchdowns from Michael Mayer, but I still think Mayer's number is going to be greater as well. So it's going to be I'm, close. I'm I mean, yeah. it's going to be close. I just, I just feel like there's only so much coverage you can do with Michael Mayer in the red zone when you also have to pay attention to number 12 and his legs and all of that. I mean, there's just, there's so that's many true. different things you have to keep an eye yeah. on uh, of, for Notre sure, Dame. That's a big X factor. That's a big X yeah. factor is what Buckner is going to give him in the red zone. Like, is he going to take away from right you know, some of these receiving numbers for some of these other guys, because he's just going to get it in there himself. And, you know, right. that'll be a question, you know, that we have <laughs> on Tyler Buckner here. No in doubt. In the distant future. No what, doubt. What, what those numbers are going to look like. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, fill in the blank on this next one. Everyone's going to love this. Paul Feinbaum saying Notre Dame being in the preseason top 10 national rankings is, quote, an absolute joke. It happens every year with the AP poll, which is just as worthless as the (laughs) preseason NFL football. That is blank. Typical Paul Feinbaum is what that is because he loves the SEC and anything out of the SEC doesn't matter, obviously. He's also very smart. Because he knows that whatever he says negative about Notre Dame is going to get a ton of clicks and it's going to get a ton of attention. And True he's too. right. He's True right. Too. It does. And he's he can't even – I'm sorry. He can't even say this with a straight face, okay? Notre Dame is number five, I believe, in the AP poll uh, preseason, right? Where did they finish yeah. last year in the final AP poll, Sean? Uh, last year in the final poll, they finished eighth. Top ten, right? They started ninth and finished eighth. Okay. So I don't understand what the issue is. You know, they've been pretty darn good the last five years. They have belonged in the top 10 the last five years. And I don't think anybody can logically dispute that. We're not talking about Notre Dame being in the top two or the top three or even the top four. Talking about, he said, top 10 is an absolute joke. I'm sorry. You cannot show me 10 teams that are better than Notre Dame, that have a better roster than no. Notre Dame has going into the season. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. These polls, you've got like those three big 12 teams sitting there stacked up, you know, they're from like 9, 10, 11 or something like that. And it's, I would put Notre Dame in front of any of them right, right now. And that's that's the problem that I have with, with Feinbaum making this statement is, it's just, you know, it's it's just absolute fiction, you know, because right. of like what you're talking about. Because when you look at the, the the track record, four of the last five years, Notre Dame has started out or they have finished with a higher ranking than what they went into the preseason with. Now, this is their highest preseason ranking sure. in a while. But again, you know, like last year, they started ninth, finished eighth. In uh, 2020, they started 10th, finished fifth. In 2018, they started 12th, finished 5th. In 2017, unranked, they finished 11th. You know, the only outlier in that group was 2019, and they weren't that bad. You know, they started 9th, so they were in the top 10. They finished 12th. They still only had two losses that I mean, year. there so you go. So it's like, all, all, you know, it's just like he's shooting from the hip. He's playing to his of base. That, you know, and just, you know, like you said, he knows it's going to go viral if he shoots his mouth off. Yep. about Notre Dame, you know, because again, it's like, you, you know, you expect someone like him who's been, you know, who's followed the college football, who's followed college football as long as he has, you know, to, to you know, put a little bit more fact into his right analysis, but that's not, you know, that's not what he's doing. He just decides he's going to shoot his mouth off. Notre Dame is a convenient target. Well, and, and look, the bottom line is I, I personally had Notre Dame at five. Okay. The four teams ahead of them deserve to be ahead of them. And I have no problem with that. But the teams that are behind them 
deserve to be behind them. You're, I'm, right. you're telling me that Notre Dame's roster is worse than Texas A&M's roster, like as far as what they've accomplished already and what they're projected to accomplish. You know, all, all of these other teams in the bottom half of the top 10, Notre Dame's better than them. They just are. Now, that's why you play the games, obviously, and so we're going to see what happens with Notre Dame, but it's just it's it's lazy it's lazy on his part because he is a bright dude he understands football he knows football and then he just sounds like an idiot and it takes away all of his credibility in my right. opinion that's right there's 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 you know there's a little cow herd there because he yeah. you know yeah. he knows he knows it doesn't have to be factual he just has to come up with some yep you know whatever opinion you know again shoot from the hip and and it's going to go viral and it's going to get him attention and you know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, the attention and 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 the ratings and you know all that stuff. That's what matters. Absolutely. So okay, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kirk Herbstreet says the Rose Bowl should be the permanent home of college football's national championship game, saying Pasadena is the mecca of college football. <laughs> Do you buy or sell it, Vince? Well, he's obviously a Big Ten guy. Big Ten has a tie-in to the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, there is a bit of that. So he he re- reveres the Rose Bowl as a destination spot. Right. And okay. Like a I, lot of Midwest, you know, and, Big Ten people. Yeah. And so there's there's some legitimacy to that. And and I will also say that even though the, the bowl games themselves, like uh, the vast majority of the bowl games have lost some of their luster because of the way they're doing things these days, the Rose Bowl is still the Rose Bowl, and it it's still a destination. And if you're if you're asking me the if there was a mecca for college football, I would have to agree with them that it's got to be the Rose Bowl. There's not a whole up, and, and you probably will correct me. I'm probably wrong, but when I think <laughs> when I think of college football and not just individual stadiums as far as like you know the horseshoe with Ohio State and blah 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 but the Rose Bowl is college football it's not just UCLA because they play their games there it's college football and so if they were going to pick one place that it and it wasn't going to go anywhere else it would be the Rose Bowl for me see I would agree with that if that's what they were going to do if they decided they needed to pick one place and you talk about the mecca of college football I I actually agree with that because like I will say, you know, like before, you know, I I know a lot of people, you know, sort of like I think that there is much more importance with the Rose Bowl today than there was 30, 40 years ago, because it used to be just the Big Ten champ and the Pac-10 champ. And when it was that, you had a lot of fairly irrelevant, meaningless games on New Year's Day. It was the backdrop and everything else, at least now, you know, like when. Texas beat USC to win the national championship. That's as meaningful as the Rose Bowl had been in a long, long time. Sure. We've seen more playoff games there and national championship games there, and you know, and those kind of things as well. So, you know, I I, I do agree that that like when, when you think when you compare it to you know, okay, the Sugar Bowl is a dingy old dome in New Orleans. Yeah, the Orange Bowl is in you know the Hard Rock stadium yeah there. which there's, doesn't you know, have any history to it at all yeah i mean exactly like at least the old, old orange bowl like right. it rocked and it shook and you know right. it's like it's gonna collapse right you know but you know like the cotton bowl isn't even played in the cotton bowl anymore right it's, it's played in the jerry dome so right. 
Yeah, like in terms of like classic settings and all you get with it, the sunset, you know, which, you know, is a big part of this whole thing. Yeah, the Rose Bowl is great. I, I definitely put it up there in terms of, of, you know, just like he said, college football mecca. Yeah. But I don't think that national championship games should be played in the same place. I agree with that, too. Every year. Yes. I, I think that it just like the Super Bowl, it needs to move around, give different communities right. you know, opportunities to host these games. I don't think that you know that the one city, one site deserves to have right. that big a game every year. I think it needs to move around. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. I, I think it would get stale if it was in the same place every year, even if it was the Rose Bowl. Um, so yeah, I agree that it needs to move around. But if they were to pick one, that would be my pick. Yep. <laughs> Sid Sid Irish says, LA is trash can. It was a dump when I lived there. It's third world now. Are you describing the LA Coliseum? Because that's what the Coliseum was the last time I was there. Like, I haven't been to the Rose Bowl. I'd like to. You know, that's that's kind of like definitely a bucket list type place for me. I've been to the Coliseum enough times to know that uh, I've seen enough. Yeah. You know? And yeah, uh, no, I get that. Yeah, no amenities there. There's there's Look, nothing where so. you and I would be living would probably be a dump if we were in LA. Okay, yeah. we, we're yeah. not going to be living in the hills or you know, in, where, where things are beautiful and nice. So, I have no desire to be in LA to be perfectly true statement. Honest true so. statement. <laughs> I couldn't afford it. Yep, fill in the blank. It's blank that Kent State will play non conference games against Washington, <laughs> Georgia, and Oklahoma in the month of September this season. Good for their bank account. That is, <laughs> that's what it is. It's good for their bank account because, I mean, they're making a ton of money. 5.2 million bucks in payouts I, from those three games. That's, uh, that's a pretty sustainable amount of money for the Kent State Athletic Department. $5.2 million will go a long way in a Mac school. And I give them a lot of credit. They're going to go get to play in, you know, all over the country in some pretty cool places, to be honest with you, you know, talking about Washington, Georgia, Oklahoma. Those are some pretty cool stadiums to go to, right? Yeah. I, I You know. They're going to get smoked, but sure. Yeah, <laughs> they are going to get smoked, but you know what? They also still have a great opportunity to win their conference if they're any good, right? And so those three losses aren't going to mean anything. It's going to be $5.2 million, and they can still go win a conference championship. So, I have no problem with that because that's the way college football is set up right now. And they're, they're going to have really cool road trips. Yes, they're going to get smoke. I remember, uh, Sean, when our buddy Shaq, Shaq Van, went up to mm -hmm. uh, Eastern Michigan, right? And one of right. the things that he got to do was go down and play at LSU. And he scored a touchdown down there. Yeah, they yeah. got smoked. But he scored a touchdown at LSU. He scored a touchdown at LSU. You know? Yeah, that's something he's going to remember the rest of his life. I still have the video from the clip of him scoring a touchdown at LSU. I saw it the other day. That's cool. That's awesome. Guys yeah. in the MAC don't get that kind of an opportunity. Go cash your checks, man. I have no problem I just, with it. You know, again, the checks are going to be big. Like this is the kind of like one a year. Like you know, like most schools of this size, yeah. it's like okay, we'll play Washington this year. Next year we'll go to Georgia. Next year we'll go to Oklahoma. right, right, right. They're doing this. Right, those three games at Washington, at Georgia, at Oklahoma in a four week span. They, they play like Loyola, somebody I think, like LIU or something like that. In between, you know, <laughs> get that dub, baby. 
I just I don't know how they're going to survive that stretch and then yeah. be competitive in their conference. I would just think they're going to get so beaten up. That's what I would be worried about if you know if 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 that was me. But you know, again, five point two million bucks. That's uh, that's that's got to cover a pretty good chunk of your athletic budget. Well, and they're probably still State. trying to make up for those COVID years too. You know, yeah. with, with all that lost revenue and everything, and so they're like, well. Here's one way to do it. Let's pack up the schedule with with uh, you know check games, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know, like you're you you were a high school baseball coach. You did mm-hmm. all your own scheduling. I, I, I don't think I don't think that you ever went out of your way to say how many state champions can I find that I can schedule early in the season before I get into my because well, that's going to challenge me for conference. So here, here's what I will say though. We went down to Bloomington. We took a, a spring break trip down to Bloomington. We played uh-huh. the defending state champion. Right, I remember. And we that. got our absolute doors blown off, and but it was an awesome experience. So I think that's part of it. You know what I mean? And then when we came back up here, we didn't play anybody of that caliber. You yeah. know, and so we were ready for whatever the NIC had to throw at us. That's for sure. So there is something to be said for that. Three in a row is really tough, obviously. Um, but again, they're going to have some road trips. They're going to remember for the rest of their lives. So, you know, that's true. That's true. I hope they're taking pictures. I hope someone's saving the video. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope they score, you know, I hope someone scores enough meaningless touchdowns that it's memorable <laughs> for them in 20 years. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I scored a, I kicked a field goal. Georgia. <laughs> hey, if my kid went there, right. Let, let's say he's the kicker at Kent state. I would uh, go to every, all three of those games. You know what I mean? And, I, yeah. eh, you know, it'd be, it'd be great. I would love that road trip. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's a memory for somebody as long as they can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so yesterday, Jesse and I talked about what our favorite NFL kickoff time mm-hmm. is. You know, like it, what, what kickoff time we prefer. So my question today is what college kickoff time would you pick if Notre Dame had to start at the same time every week? Would you pick noon, 1.30, 3.30, or would you pick the primetime slot? Well, I can tell you right now the primetime spot is fourth. Like that Gone. is dead last, not even close, okay? That's, that's, that is so far away from what I would want uh, because I'm still covering the team. If I wasn't covering the team – I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with, you know, the late night game because I'd be able to watch every other game leading up to it. Okay. But, but since I cover it and I do a post game show, prime time is fourth place. To be honest with you, the one that, so Notre Dame right now, when they're at home, they have two 30 and they have three 30 kickoffs. Those Uh are the two that they have. I kind of dig the two 30, Sean. I, I, I like the little bit earlier. Uh, because we get out a little bit earlier, you, you're not up super late. We will have our pregame show in plenty of time still to get to the stadium. True, kind of like a two thirty. I know it wasn't one of the options, but I kind of dig the two thirty time slot. I mean, I could take two thirty over one thirty because one thirty has basically become obsolete. I guess you see more. Yeah. We used to have a lot of one thirties back in the day. I think that was before we started changing our clock. You know, before we started uh... observing. Daylight saving. I don't know if sure. you remember. I that, do. But, oh yes. Yeah. 
The noon I don't like as much because of the early start, you know, but you do get, you know, the much earlier finish. I think I agree with you. 2.30 might actually be optimal, like I'm changing my own thing as well. <laughs> I don't get I don't get what the infatuation so many have with primetime. Is it just because you sit around and drink all day and you've got nothing else to do? And, <laughs> and you know, now it's like, hey, primetime game, I'm lubed up, let's go, you know? I just... <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I don't get the fat, you know, the infatuation with needing to stay up until 11 or 1130 to watch your team. And, and yeah, you know, like people say, well, yeah, you media guys, you're right. You media guys, because yeah. then it's like, none of us are, are completely bitching and moaning about this. But the, but, but the bottom line is when you're covering a game, it's not like a fan where again, you can get lubed up and do whatever the hell that you want to do. And then <laughs> right. move on to, you know, or shut the game off. At, at 9.30, if the game turns into a blowout, we have to sit there and watch the whole thing. And then when the game ends is when the actual work starts. And then, yes. yeah, we're there until 1.30 or 2 in the morning. So, right. so yeah, we don't yeah. like primetime games for that reason. You know, I'm sorry. So, yeah, I you know, I would take – I like – I do like the 2.30 even better. 2.30 or 3.30 because then – you know, you're done by, you know, you're done with the actual game by six. And then even after you get done with your work, like you can still go, you know, like you can come home if it's a home game, chill out, watch whatever yeah. the night game is, yep. you know, relax a little bit or even watch a movie, whatever it happens to be. Pop a cold one. You know, if you're on the road, you know, you go back to the to the motel or, you know, go out to, you know, find some place to eat or whatever and do the same thing, even though most of the road games are either noon or prime time. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. And that, look, and Notre Dame has been good, right? And so a lot of the times when they're on the road, it's a night game and it stinks to, to be honest with you. And and frankly, when I was a student and I was tailgating, night games were the worst. That's I've done tailgating at that point, man. Like you're, you yeah. want to go home and take a nap before you got, maybe I'm just not, you know, a good enough even tailgater, as a student. <laughs> but man, like that's just, cause we would get out there at like six, seven o'clock in the morning. So you're talking 12 hours of tailgating. Nope. Doesn't work for me, man. Sorry. I agree. Salty, our old friend Salty says, I like prime time because the whole day builds up to it. It's a big matchup playing under the lights is nice. If it's a loss, you can just go straight to bed. See, and I, I addressed the loss part of it last night because as a fan, if I'm watching my team, I'm I'm upset after a loss. Yes. It, it Can't takes go to me, sleep. Takes, yeah, it takes me a while to wind down. Yep. You know, it's, it's not the actual time itself in the late night and all that stuff. It's the winding down as a fan afterwards that, you right. know, I can't, you're right, I can't fall asleep if it's, you know, and then even if it's, a good win it's like sometimes your adrenaline is still pumping, hell so. even more so after a good win yeah no doubt about it and I, I i've never been able to shut off a game and then just go straight to sleep so yeah um and here brandon actually asked what time would you guys pick if you weren't media members i would i would probably just pick the 3 30 yeah, time you know right I. in the middle of the day yeah um or even you know i might if if, if i mm -hmm. wasn't Media, I might even just say noon. Get it over with. <laughs> and then, you got, then you've got the rest of the day afterwards to I, do your thing. You know? I, I will say that I would pick the 3.30 as well because I have gotten enjoyment out of the Big Ten noon games. I, I do enjoy whatever the big 
You know, yeah. the big noon Kinda game like is that game before I've enjoyed know, if that. Can, if you can watch it. Yeah. And then it, it would roll right into the Notre Dame game. And so I would be cool with that. And then after that, then it rolls right into what's most likely a very good matchup at night of somebody. And so that's three games in a row that I could watch and be very happy about. So I would pick the three thirty slot if I had to choose, if I was not a media member. Yeah. I, I, I kind of <clears> like that as well. And you know, and that's kind of what I end up like what you were just describing right there. Like if it is a primetime game, and, you know, like with these big noon matchups and all that stuff on Fox the last few years, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of, it's like, well, okay, done with, you know, not doing anything right now. So I'll watch that game for a little bit and then, you know, see what's interesting. And, you know, and, you know, again, like the thing with college football is you're, you're at least a half an hour longer than an NFL game, you know, so they're going to run right longer, you know, it's just, it's a bigger time commitment. So that's, again, like to me, the earlier, the better. Absolutely. It, except I still, you know, again, I won't say the earlier, the better. That that mid-afternoon right. is the best. And that, that's where I would want it to. Yep, yeah, absolutely. No you question. Know, like I, I think I've said before, you know, like back in the college days when you had bowl, bowl games on New Year's Day from wire to wire, I loved rolling out of bed on New Year's Day hungover and, you know, getting, you know, some nachos for breakfast and then, waiting a little bit and you know then popping a few more cold ones in the afternoon a little hair of the dog you know in the middle of the day watching bowl game after bowl game ed <clears> says good show guys he has a, a super chat good show guys gotta go get dinner all right well you can go get dinner because you're not watching the game right now so have fun. <laughs> but thanks have fun, ed. thank you for the super chat that's awesome that's right appreciate it much appreciated all right well uh good stuff Tonight, we made our predict, uh, predictions for uh, receptions earlier in the show. And, you know, again, it might have Tyler Buckner throwing for like 6,000 yards, but <laughs> we shall see. Yes, we I shall. Suppose. And don't forget, Bobby and I are going to review that Manti Teo doc on tomorrow's show. So we're nice. going to be doing that. If if you have or haven't seen, you know, if you have seen it, obviously stop by in the live YouTube <clears> and you can kind of uh, contribute some of your thoughts on things and uh if you haven't come on by you know we will spoil it but you know <laughs> most people know what happened but you know we'll kind of we'll, we'll give you an idea of, of what this thing is all about I, and again i felt it was very complimentary you know like not, not complimentary but it was very pro manti it said him okay in a good light which which i think when you look at at the entirety of everything yeah. that, that happened he should have been because there was I there was even a lot agree. more aftermath for him than I, you know, than I even thought. It just wasn't right, man. I, he got no. he got railroaded. The dude is a Total compassionate hope. guy yeah. who got he, you know, he fell into it. I mean, I, I don't know. I just I always felt bad for him, and not because I'm a Notre Dame fan, because I'm human. And people gave him such a hard time for that. It's not like he did it on purpose. That's the thing. It's not like he he got snowed. He got tricked. He got fooled. There, there's still people. There's still people who think you oh know he was in on it. So. Oh my gosh, that's such ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks again for stopping by tonight. Like, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. We definitely appreciate it. And we will talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk.
Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.